Life is a piece of cake With layers defined by our mistakes So happy birthday Hooray! Blow the candles out Start another year Here's what you don't I uh, love LaCroix so much too. Cut alcohol. I'll, uh, I'm trying not to say everything I want about alcohol consumption now because I think it'll make for a good podcast. Save it. Yeah, save it. Save it. Can't have a genuine conversation if it's not recorded. <laughs> I mean, it has been this whole time. I figured. I mean, I did yeah. just delete everything before that happened before you went to go to LaCroix. <laughs> oh. Because it was like 20 minutes. It was, was like, like it was a long gonna time. We're not going to dig through that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to dig through it, Rob. We're going to keep the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. We won't. I guess we can uh, for real get started. Okay. For sure. And a one. And a two. And a three. And a... Hi! Hey. Welcome to Here's What You Don't Do... The podcast where we talk about our mistakes and our failures and our uh ohs and our whoopsies and our that wasn't a very good ideas <laughs> and how they've made us better people now or possibly just not the same variety of bad person as before. You know, we're all we're growing. I think probably you guys uh, call in. Tell us how you're growing. <laughs> Just kidding, don't. There's no one to call. <laughs> I'm not giving you my phone number, you creepers. <laughs> Today with us we have John. Hi, John. Hey, how you doing, Sam? Good, how are you? Good. Thanks for being here yeah. to talk with us. Um, before we get started, really jumping in. Everyone, just take a minute. Think about what you're doing Right now. Is it a good idea? Are you in a tree in the woods covered in jerky? Don't. Animals will eat you. Are you, uh... What's another another bad idea? In a foxhole. Are you in a foxhole with a fox? (laughs) Carrying a chicken to safety that the fox wants? Carrying a chicken to safety. It's like a, it's like a little World War One vignette, Mm -hmm. but there's a little chicken with a little helmet on. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's a little fox dressed up like a German soldier. And you're just running through no man's land carrying this little chicken. The fox is still tiny, but it's intimidating. The fox is so tiny. Yeah, because it has speed on its side. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, it's still carrying like a full-size human gun. Mm -hmm. Which is incredible because it's twice as long as it. So you don't know where the, you know. Strength oh, yeah. comes from. It's it's so amazing that you kind of trip yourself up because you're looking back at the fox like, mm-hmm. gosh, how is this thing running so low? And then like you drop right. the chicken, the chicken flies out of your arms mm-hmm. in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily you're close enough to your trench that someone like reaches up and catches the chicken. Right, right. 
But you're not so lucky. You're not so lucky. The fox got your ankle. Fox got your ankle. He can't pull the trigger and shoot you. So yeah, he's dragging. He's going with teeth. Mm -hmm. He's all in it now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But you'll be remembered fondly in a memorial somewhere. Yeah, because when it's a fox, it's not technically a war crime, so they can do anything they want to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. There are no foxes outlined in the Geneva Convention. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) What happens, happens. What happens with a fox stays with a fox. It's okay. You know, that's what my grandma always said. Mm -hmm. What happens with a fox stays with a fox. (laughs) I had an aunt of mine who wasn't by blood an aunt, but she was Aunt Laura, uh, 104 from Latvia was chased out of uh, Latvia by the Russians and moved here. Started her life over, and she was very raw and rigid. And during her 101st birthday, somebody was telling her, "Like you're just a beloved woman. We think the world of you." But the person talked and talked and talked. And Laura turns to me and goes, "Hush. I want to shove hot yam down throat." And she says it at a volume that is three times as loud as a person speaking. Shuts up the entire group. I don't know what made me think of that, but I derive a lot of strength from her. (laughs) That type of grit. Like, Aunt Laura, that's a waste of a perfectly good hot yam. Right. And she probably considered that. And she's like, we'll retrieve it after they shut up. We'll make a stew. That's how you mash it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Throat mashing. <laughs> oh. 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 Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, she passed in 2000 and gosh, 9, 104 years old. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, I hope to live to 90. I think if I'm lucky enough to hit 80 something, that's incredible, but 90 is like that's enough. Yeah. What about you? I had no plans to hit 30 until I hit 30. So now it's just like, I'm free fucking wheeling, man. Mm -hmm. I'm on the wing of a plane. Mm -hmm. This is my my thoughts. Exactly. I really didn't think I was going to get, I'm 32 right now. Mm -hmm. I did not think I would get to 30. It was a genuine surprise. (laughs) My parents were also happy. (laughs) (laughs) I sure hope so. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, (laughs) I put them through hell, but they also appreciate and love me. So, you guys, I'm, I'm 30. Ah, fuck. Ah, are you paying us now? Like, yeah, I'll help out. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah, you and I met um, at the pocket uh, so long ago, I think through Noah, right? Was it through Noah? Yeah, because I remember taking, I think it was a mashup or a sketch writing workshop, and I met Noah, and then he introduced me oh. to you through 50%. Less bear. Yeah. 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 That sounds right now. Yeah. I can't keep track of I was hoping anything. you would remember definitively. I'm like, <laughs> she'll get it. No. I feel like I remember the moment uh-huh. of like actual interaction, but could not tell you what had happened in the year before or after. Right. It's just a moment floating in time. I'm happy if I remember 10 minutes during driving that goes by. Like, you know, when you're on the same <laughs> route and everything just like, I know I drove there, but I don't remember it. 
I have that. I extra have that problem because I ride the bus everywhere, so I don't have to pay attention to oh yeah what I, what's actually happening because someone mm-hmm. else is driving. Yeah. So suddenly I'm like snap back into oh it's been thirty minutes. Like what happened? Right. And you actually get to be productive. If I'm productive, I die. But you are like I can read. <laughs> I can enjoy myself. <laughs> I just put sound in my ears and then mm-hmm. I replay everything that could have gone better. Oh, mentally speaking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you? Uh, I keep wanting to ask you all the questions. I am about cyclical looping thoughts. That's my big problem lately. Oh, yeah. Is yeah, yeah. obsessing over anxious things, very addictive mindsets, yeah. even with good things, because I'm always looking for the crack. I'm always looking for the, yeah, but. Yeah. It's always the attempt to uh, prepare yourself for what feels like the inevitable mm-hmm. crash. Yeah. And life is going well right now, and there's not been a lot of crashes, because I've insulated against it, but fuck, there have been so many crashes. Yeah. Um, Segway. 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 John's going to be talking about like all of the things we've already sort of mentioned. Yeah. Um, mental health and addiction and comedy and where all of that. Mm-hmm. spirals together because I'm imagining like one of those lovely triangle sort of logos where each one is a corner of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, finally I got a tattoo plan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go with the uh, temporary tattoos. I tried that and they gave me a like, Oh, you'll make a cool design out of this. And when they go to cut it with a laser cutter to make this template that you put over that the ink will then, you know, not just blotch everywhere, they can only make angles that are like really fine. So I send in like a really articulate rose on top of a TARDIS that had numbers on it. When I got it back, it was just a bunch of spots where the rose was and the TARDIS numbers look like dots. Oh, no. It was horrible. But yeah, go get a real tattoo. It's oh, yeah, no, I'll forever. get a, a real one right across like the top of the chest. It'll just be a giant triangle. Nice. Not a triforce, just a triangle. Just a triangle. Yeah. And then I'll write, I'll label each of the apexes. Mm-hmm. The points yeah. or the chair points where if you don't get enough sleep or you're trying to make money or see friends, <laughs> and one's always just broken. <laughs> yeah. One side is just gone. <laughs> it doesn't exist because it, it can't. Exist doesn't exist in this realm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, tying all those things together, or at least trying to. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you want to hear? Like, what, do you, what do you want to start with? Sure. Um, Everyone else has sort of kind of attacked their topic almost chronologically. That's what I want to do, too. Yeah. yeah. It, it works. Okay. It's a real narrative sort of feel. Yeah. All right. So I think I said earlier I was 32. But when I was, let's rewind back to 13, smoked my first joint. Ooh. Yeah, fancy. And it, so to premise, I have a general anxiety disorder and I've dealt with some depression, not major to a point that it's uh, necessary to have uh, Zoloft or some other type of SSRI. Though mm-hmm. I did try that and blue dots are horrible and it was a lot to deal with. Blue dots? Yeah, a lot of visual uh, tracers and different hallucinations. Oh, because oh. I guess it's oh, not for no. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so there is the foundation for a lot of abuse 
with uh, any type of substance mm-hmm. and to treat the uh, anxiety, depression. So at 13, I discovered weed and I've discovered like, oh, I don't have to deal with the world. I can just check out. Although it made my anxiety worse, it was so much better than the anxiety I was facing in the real world, mm. which is crazy because <laughs> a person who's not an addict would go, this is fucking horrible. I don't like feeling paranoid about everything all the time. Yeah, but you don't have to worry about anything else. You just get to be high. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Why not? So um, This scale's already broken. Why are we even weighing one side right. against the other? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, fast forward, uh, when I was 18, uh, discovered opiates, which was mm. the, the fun, <clears throat> fun old big time, but the big top. Um, now did you get them like sort of get in the prescription way first? No, a lot of people do that, huh? Like, yeah. like get a car accident bike it in and then they get addicted. Yeah. Mine was just a friend that was like, Hey, you're anxious with weed. Try this. I was like, Oh my God, opium is incredible. And that was the introduction to, okay, you really don't have to feel anything. You can just push it way down yeah. and not process emotionally. So from then 18 until God, like 20, 23. So yeah, give or take five years of like active addiction of Mm -hmm. like, that was my life. I was still pretending like, yeah, I'll try to go to school. I'll go to community college and I'll be an anthropologist. Yeah. Like you can't be an anthropologist getting high. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. (laughs) You can't go to the parking lot, get ripped and then come back and be like, I'm going to be a student. Yeah. Uh, But I tried, I tried, I tried, but then I dropped out and then uh, started abusing it every day. And it, uh, it it transitioned from self-medicating to this is just a new lifestyle. Yeah. And I didn't have the emotional toolkit to understand why I was doing it. I just knew that in my family tree, there were alcoholics and addicts. And that was just my lot in life now. And that's like mm. we were saying earlier, I never thought I'd make it to 30. Like it, I lost all value for my being and I'm agnostic, but I still think like, yeah, you can have some spiritual damage too. I feel like I depleted all of that. And I was just like, I don't fucking care. Whatever happens to me happens to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to get into that. I could just go down many different roads, but what I'm really trying lately is to not transgress against myself too much. Meaning like I want to talk about these and share all the nitty gritty details, mm-hmm. but it can be exhausting if I do it the wrong way. But my intention of telling all this right now is to be like, Hey, you can like hit rock bottom and still have a future. Yeah. If anybody listens to this and thinks about that, that they're, yeah, like you were earlier, but like, what are you doing right now? You're in a tree with jerky. <laughs> but if you're in a tree with... <laughs> is it teriyaki or is it just the plain smoked kind? <laughs> right. Is it covered with Oxycontin pills <laughs> or is it just light, you know? So, like, you could be in that foxhole and there's still hope. And I know that sounds really fucking cheesy, but... But um, it is true. Yeah, it is true. It is true. And, uh, yeah, so in, let's see, 2000 give or take is when Mm -hmm. I went to rehab 
And number one thing you don't want to do is go to rehab with your girlfriend. <laughs> oh no! <I> fucked up. <laughs> Rehab's kind of the place to like get a new perspective on things, right? Yeah, and I I went in there and I was in love, but now I'm learning that was just pure infatuation, mm-hmm. not love at all. Knock knock on wood. Maybe I do know what love is now. I don't think I do. I think I'm still learning that intimacy. Uh. But yeah, went in and that codependent relationship was amazing because I wouldn't have gone had it not been for her. Uh, So she did me a solid there. But then in her own recovery, she did herself a solid and was like, oh, no, we shouldn't be together. We're going to break up in rehab. (laughs) It was the hardest month of my life because it was withdrawing from opiates, which my drug of choice with Oxycontin. Uh, yeah. smoking it on foil. Uh, and the withdrawals from that can take as minimum of three days, but mine seemed to take weeks and weeks. Oh, yikes. And it wasn't pure like, oh, this is the worst, like you see in movies of insanity. It was just a constant dread, a constant anxiety. Yeah. Um, sweating, <laughs> night sweats like a swimming pool, fun times. So about two weeks in, I was like, I'm leaving. This is it. I don't want to deal with any of this. And the whole time she's uh, across from me at all of these meetings reminding me, and it was so hard to deal with. Uh, I met somebody, I forgot her name. She was a nurse there. Mm -hmm. And I had one conversation with her. Uh, The details, well, it really amounted to, you're going to have a future past this moment Um, You don't know what you want to be, who you are anymore. That's perfect because you have to kill yourself. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, kill who you were. I didn't read that in the pamphlet. Yeah, No, I didn't know I was joining a cult. (laughs) I know it's kind of culty, but not that bad. (laughs) I thought the robe was weird, but I didn't know if they wanted you to be wearing a certain outfit. Right. And... um, it was really touching to me, and it was the first time I felt like I had an honest response to somebody in my current state, because after so many years of active addiction, I just, I, I consider myself a kind person who wants to see good in others and do good, but with that, it doesn't matter. You're an addict. It's the most selfish fucking thing you can do. And it was that turning point of like, oh, I'm Somebody reached out to me. I want to reach out and help others. And then after I got out of rehab, it was, you know, I won't go into the specifics of the type of recovery, but I would do a lot of outreach and that helped keep me clean and sober. Mm. Um, But then it fed into like, oh, a new whole thing is born. General anxiety disorder. You're just, I think it was the withdrawals. Like I just got so prone to expecting terror and dread and it was just looking for it everywhere so very ptsd type of thing too which um is is crazy to think it was not like a single event outside of me but it was just a constant turmoil that developed that yeah um well you you take out all the all the drugs and being high and suddenly it's like when your ears pop yeah, and everything seems so incredibly loud. So if you don't have anything to dampen the usual thoughts and input, mm-hmm. suddenly it's like 
there's so much yeah very happening to to worry about yeah have you ever heard of a what a highly sensitive person is hsp no but i feel like maybe there's probably more specifics that are beyond what it's called but i assume they're relatively sensitive people yeah exactly just any type of stimulation um sound smell thought Mm. uh chemical and it's just a very easy uh you derive so much for me i'll I'll talk from my own uh, perspective any little input it, it drove an impulse in me and it used to be that I sought out drugs and alcohol and that was the easy way to deal with it. So yeah, it, everything became so much louder. So then the recovery helped. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't immediately relapse, but it was gradual. It was, Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm a changed person. Mm-hmm. And then you get sloppy and then you start thinking, I know best, gosh, you know, the other people, they're going to have this lifelong problem, but not me. I got it. I'm good. And then one bad night of like sleeplessness. And then I was on the phone with a dealer and got my normal hookup and eight months, I'd say, down the drain right there. Mm. And it was devastating. It was one of those moments driving back high on opiates, which I really am not proud of doing uh but it was driving back and then feeling this rock bottom feeling of like oh this is this is where you're gonna live again if you keep doing this yeah and that type of feeling is uh um it's powerful and it can motivate but i let it just take me over and not uh not want anything more for myself um Oh, gosh, I wasn't even going to bring this up because I didn't even think of it. Then I went to Peru. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to go take ayahuasca and I was going to find another way of getting clean that way. It's like, you know, another crutch, another thing to do. Yeah. And that's where the spiritual side kind of was reborn because as a kid growing up, I went to this really hippy dippy Christian church that was CDM, the Psychic Institute. <laughs> and I appreciated it. Like it was a place that was really open with the concept of like, you, you can believe whatever you want. It's got to your heart. Yeah. We use the Bible and Jesus, but you do what you do. I was like, ah, cool. All right. Thanks. What a, what a well adjusted attitude. Exactly. Church. <laughs> yeah. Church. Thanks, church. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've always had some reverence for something bigger than myself, which is critical with recovery. Most people say, I don't necessarily think it's like fact for everyone, but I notice it helps me. Um, so yeah, I went to Peru, studied for a month uh, or almost a month with uh, some Caro shamans and just ate, ate vegan and was all ready to take ayahuasca. And then I was like, nope, don't have the courage to face the demons that way. Uh, cause ayahuasca is like, I was going to say, what exactly is sure. Ayahuasca, uh, have you, uh, DMT. Have you ever heard of that? It's like a crystalline drug that gets you yes. high. Yeah. So it's essentially DMT, but it is, if, if I remember correctly, a bark mixed with a root that creates a reaction that simulates death. But it doesn't necessarily have to be death every time. The mm-hmm. death thing comes from the idea of the pineal gland right above your eyes uh, in the middle of your forehead. That when you die, you might have a hallucinogenic state 
that is like, you know, seeing the light or crossing over and DMT can sometimes simulate that because of the properties. And with a lot of addicts, they basically face their demons. Like anything you have deep down buried in you comes to the surface. Like that sounds terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to be doing that anytime soon. Right. But it does part of you like this might be my self-destructive side, but like part of me is like, yeah, let's see how far I can push myself. Like, do you relate to that at all? No, I have always been pretty much the opposite. Yeah. Like my drug experience is like, I've gotten high like three times Mm -hmm. because I don't, I just don't trust my brain already. It's yeah. kind of always been a problem area, so I never wanted to put something on top of that. Good. It's like I always I always went with I went with alcohol right. because it's predictable mm-hmm. and it's real easy to um you figure out the timeline of it real quick. Like you can predict, like if I do this much, I can yeah. have a hangover for this long, or I will function in two hours. Yeah, and, okay. I'll be this drunk for this long. It's going to have this effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, only stuff that was like dampeners. And I right. actually, um, when I started seeing my current therapist, one of the kind of first questions he asked me um, because I am a am bipolar, and I started taking medication for that. Mm-hmm. Was like, when did you first notice this sort of, you know, behavior? And yeah. it was very distinct, like during college, mm-hmm. which was like fucking a decade ago now. Because <laughs> um, I made it to thirty two. Yay! Woo! I didn't know we were thir- the same age. Not thirty two. No, like thirty as well. as well as well. Oh, did you just turn thirty recently? March. No, so I'm almost 31. Oh, okay. Still, congrats. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Yay. <laughs> Woo! Um, but thinking about it, it was really like middle school almost that, you know, looking back, it's like your behavior was incredibly erratic. Mm-hmm. But it actually took me a bit to get into drinking. Like I was in college already, hadn't touched it before because I already like didn't trust what my brain would do. Yeah. So I was like, you probably shouldn't put other things on top of it. Right. And then tried it out was like, Oh, this one, this one's fine. <laughs> you just won't remember stuff, but like who wants to anyway? <laughs> It'll allow you to not emotionally process, but that is exactly why it's so incredible at the moment. Oh, Just yeah. forget all of it. And then, of course, you end up feeling worse. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, who cares about that when you're starting? Mm-hmm. You don't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. It's the consequences. Um, were you the type when you grew up that you believed your elders or brothers and sisters to be like, yeah, you did this. I won't do it. Or were you kind of like, I'm going to try it anyways? Uh my my family's actually pretty like cut and dry. Yeah. My sister's always been a good kid. Mm-hmm. Never really neither one of us really had any acting out phase except for the fact that I was like a little fucking maniac <laughs> <laughs> as a child. <laughs> um but then like extended family wise, like my dad's side of the family, we just don't talk to at all. Okay. Um and then 
a bunch of my mom's side, like we don't see terribly often. And like her dad was already dead before I came along. So mm-hmm. there's like some stories like around people in the family where I hear about it now and I'm like, oh, that, that might explain a little something. Um, like with uh, drinking or. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. uh, my dad's mom definitely had some uh, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And then I saw one picture of her one time and I was like, Jesus Christ, I just look exactly like this woman. <laughs> no fucking wonder. <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah. not it's not one of those like there's a long history of like sort of repeating this cycle of behavior. Mm-hmm. Really, I had like no excuse. Everyone everyone gave me a really nice model for <laughs> how I could live a life. And right. I was just like, I got I'm it, crazy. It's tricky too because then a lot of shame comes into the picture. Oh yeah. You go, Well, everything in this world has told me I should be okay. But the thing I can't express the easiest, my brain, just lying to me. It's oh, yeah. convoluting so and it's the chemical imbalance alone. Um, I remember getting so excited, yeah, around 2009, 2010, when I discovered, like, I went to a therapist for the first time. Coming up on a decade seeing the same therapist, by the way, which... Wow. Yeah. Still got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's great that you found someone yeah. that you can actually like connect with for that long. Yeah. Because I've heard lucky. some terrible stories from people about therapists mm-hmm. they've seen. Oh, I've seen a ton of horrible ones. Um, this therapist doubled as somebody who... Uh, oh, another thing. Um, anybody who's listening who is going through an opiate withdrawal and is relying on Suboxone, be careful. Uh, Suboxone is an opiate crutch, so to speak, where it fills oh. the opiate receptors, so it makes sure you don't withdraw. But in itself, even though you don't get high and elated and happy, you become addicted to that, too. Um, that was so much harder to kick than Oxy. So... Mm. This therapist was this rock in my life when my family didn't know what to do with me and when my friends were on the edge. Like, I've kept some good friends around, but some were on the edge of, like, this is too crazy. I don't know how to help you or be a part of your life, which I completely understand. Uh, That therapist stuck around and, like, was... I'm so grateful. He feels like family as inappropriate as that is like a good grandpa. Cause he's an older gentleman, <laughs> uh, older gay gentleman who just is the light of my life. Some weeks where I'm just like, well, shit's bad. I don't know what to say. Uh, let's sit on the porch yeah, and talk about have some it. Sweet tea <laughs> and stare at that tree full of jerky. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Old jerky tree. Right. <laughs> Old jerky tree. Um, Careful, the foxes come by in the oh, evening. Oh, 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 They'll the, bayonet you if you're too close yeah. to the jerky tree. <laughs> They'll get away with it, too. Uh, no losses a fox cannot bayonet you. <laughs> <laughs> We're really short on fox law. <laughs> Somebody needs to get on this legislation soon. Oh, yeah. Um... Gosh, I kind of went on a tangent there and jumped a few questions. You, you were talking me. about your therapist. Yeah. Something before that, but oh well. It'll come up if it's oh, important. It was um so you were talking about Suboxone? Oh yeah. Specifically that. Very hard to get off. It's very u- widely used for everybody dealing with uh addiction as well as um 
uh, I forgot the other one, but Suboxone itself is... Methadone? Yes. Thank That's you. the only one I've heard of. I've never heard of Suboxone before. Yeah. It's like a comparable version to it. Um, yeah. So be careful, people. Uh, but it's a realistic choice. It helped me stabilize to a point where I could actually... Um, like similar to an SSRI or another drug just to stabilize you, to help yeah. you relearn habits and healthy thoughts. Uh, so I was able to work through, I'd say the first three to four years of therapy were purely me just moving from that stage, that first joint I smoked at 13 when it's like, oh, I get to emotionally stunt myself, you know, like, yeah. the, and you don't know you're doing it. You just know you don't have to deal with the insanity of everything for a moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, started therapy. I was uh, 23 or 20, yeah, 22 going on like 16, it felt like. <laughs> so um, a lot of work done there. And uh, I actually see my therapist tomorrow and I talked to him about this podcast. I'm like, you know me, l- l- therapist. Uh, <laughs> I like to talk openly. And he's like, yeah, be careful. I'm like, well... Yeah, but if I hold this stuff inside my whole life and don't want to share who I am, it'll just eat me alive. It'll yeah. be like that deep, dark secret that controls me. And my biggest goal with it is to normalize it and uh, share it, help others. Yeah. If I can. Cause fuck, I'm sloppy about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best thing and really what I'm trying to establish with this podcast is yeah. that we're all sloppy about something. Yeah. Yeah. But even if it's sloppy, you still get your pie made. Yeah. You, you get some other, I'm trying to think of something <laughs> you'd be really sloppy at, but still like come out the air chili. Naturally a sloppy treat. Naturally a sloppy treat. <laughs> Treat. No one's ever described chili as a treat, but it I works. I think chili is a treat. It's delightful. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, bipolar and treating that. Yes. Um, how do you feel right now with day-to-day? Does the medication do everything the label promised, or is there some supplemental things you have to do? I just I'm actually at a really good point with it now because yeah. I just recently sort of bumped things up again. Mm-hmm. I'm very hesitant with for some reason with everything that's not booze. I've been very hesitant. So mm-hmm. my uh my journey into getting to like the assorted medication levels I'm at now has been incredibly slow because I'm yeah. like let's inch it up half a teaspoon (laughs) every thousand years sure um but yeah i'm actually at the point where uh the biggest like notable thing for me is when something happens or i have like the feeling that something might go bad and i'm Mm -hmm. like "Mm, whatever (laughs) and just that idea the ability to be like well it's gonna happen that's wonderful. Shrug. <laughs> I think that's Just, good. That's yeah, like healthy compartmentalization of like, I could react to this, but. There's no reason to. Right. So yeah, just having that ability. And there's, you know, there's some like mental training that goes into that too. About mm-hmm. like just having to acknowledge what you can and can't 
control. That's right. probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Because half of that problem with, uh, and especially when I stopped drinking, mm-hmm. anxiety was a big one that became a lot more noticeable. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's entirely just your mind sort of assuming that you can control everything. Mm-hmm. And that you should be able to, and that if it doesn't go the way that you need it to, then you've done something terribly wrong. Right. And that living in that state 24-7 is so exhausting. Oh, yeah, because you spend all your time um, just like thinking out every possible way that something could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And you spend so much time doing that that you generally make one of those things happen. Yeah. You per- yeah per- perpetuate your own illness yeah like a yeah that cyclic thinking of how do I control it and uh, meditation is something I've been doing more lately. I started years ago and I was like mm-hmm. ah it's a lot of work. You got to sit down and close your eyes and not get high. <laughs> That's hard. Like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. There's no two out of three, man. (laughs) Three out of three. (laughs) Yeah. And now it's really a good way. Uh, The big thing in the West is the whole mindfulness techniques and being Mm -hmm. aware of your breathing. And uh, purely some days it's like I'm anxious and I'm not breathing right. And so my brain is depleted of oxygen. So it's panicking like it's drowning. (laughs) Yeah. So literally taking a moment to breathe. And then I have a little bit more control over my thoughts instead of my thoughts trying to control everything around me. Yeah. Oh, that's that whole mindfulness. Uh That whole mindfulness thing has been, um, big for me too. Good. Uh, cause I find that I just don't remember things Mm -hmm. that I've just done or that recently happened because I was so fixated, like being somewhere else. I started having my way of, uh, sort of training myself out of that a little bit. Um, I had to start buying really like incredibly smelly hand soap mm-hmm. so that I could like remember that I had washed my hands. That's a good trick though. It works for you. It's, it does work. Luckily yeah. that, yeah, I, um, I'm, I, I'm a glasses man and I'm also becoming hard of hearing. And the more those two senses go away, my sense of smell picks up. So the, the soap thing, mm-hmm. I buy really good soaps now. And I was on San Juan Island over the weekend and I bought a ginger beer soap bar. Oh my God. Just what? because the smell is so delightful. <laughs> if I had these other senses, I wouldn't care as much, but I'm, I'm looking forward to old age where my nose becomes king. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make so many decisions for me. Uh <laughs> But yeah, little things that plant you in the present moment that mm-hmm. really help um, the breathing, the smells. Uh, I'm also a big, I, this is a really bad habit I still have, going to bed watching TV, have a TV right in front of my bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and that is something that is not planting me in the moment. My bedtime routine is getting better, but that destroys all of it. Having a bright light and uh, what am I watching right now? Just finished uh, Altered Carbon. It's a Netflix show. That's... I watched that one too. Yeah? Did you I, like it? You know, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of like almost a waste of a really good universe that I wanted to see more of on oh, this sort yeah. of like kind of cheap 
mystery storyline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, I watched that mostly because I really love Joel Kinnaman. Uh, was he the lead tall yeah. dude? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I actually just finished doing is uh, re-watching The Killing. Because mm. I finished Altered Carbon was like, that was sort of disappointing. I think I just wanted to watch The Killing again. Yeah. <laughs> so I went through the four seasons of that. Is that he also stars in Kinnaman? He, oh, okay, yeah, he stars in it. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a tall glass of water. That man, <laughs> those, those Swedes. <laughs> yeah, no, he, it was fun. Um, but yeah, those were some brutal moments in that show, like real torturey, and that I enjoy to watch because then my anxiety is like, if you can deal with that, you can deal with anything. Oh yeah. And I get off on that, but it's not healthy. That's not how the world works. You're not constantly under threat. At least we're not because we're living in a neighborhood where it's snowing outside right now and it's kind of lovely, you know? Mm -hmm. But I always assume the worst will happen. So I like to prepare myself with little things and it's not healthy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's not healthy. It's not. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. That is okay because I'd say 90% of my day is spent with healthy habits and thoughts and exercising more, drinking more water, you know, doing the things that get in front of my mental health issues. Um, yeah. 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 Give yourself those, those little things exactly. that maybe aren't the best for you. Yeah. I know so many people, maybe Rob included, are you back in that giving up coffee thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm always thinking about giving up coffee again. <laughs> Think about it most days. <laughs> so I've had like more than one person I know who's like, you know, I, you know I'm going to stop drinking coffee. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. the one thing that you're going to have to, you're going to have to pry that mug out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> I have yeah. given up all of the other things that are terrible. Mm-hmm. Like I'm keeping all the food stuff, coffee, sugar, fat. Yeah. Like whatever will sit in my mouth where a cigarette used to be. <laughs> Fucking chicken fried steak. <laughs> I, I will I will go to bat and vouch for not being on caffeine. Like the month I was legitimately not having yeah. any caffeine was amazing. All right. All but right. All right. Obviously it came to an end. <laughs> so But you know you can do it now. That's a powerful thing to know you have the control over it. Yeah. If you choose to. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like I like to think I have the control over it, but my mm-hmm. other attempts have not been as I don't know. But I think I think also knowing I've done it in a weird way also makes me think. You know what? It was nice to be off caffeine, but it didn't like solve all of my problems. So I can right. probably just have a coffee. It's not a big deal. <laughs> If it's not going to solve all of my problems, then fuck it. That's a good point because I've done those grandiose gestures to myself. Like I kicked coffee for a while and I was like, oh, this will be the the start of my future. Like the true John will emerge. It's like I got to see a better part of myself, but there's so much to work on that it was just, yeah, one facet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, when did I give up coffee? So rehab, no coffee. You can have decaf in there, but they they don't want you caffeinated and bouncing that off the sense. walls. No, uh, yeah. no stimulant. Yeah. The worst headaches ever for, I'd say, about a week. 
which sucked on top of opium withdrawal. I was like, I don't need more. <laughs> I don't even know which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> which is the problem. Right. <laughs> um, and there was some random guy that came through, I think on visiting day. And I think he was in rehab and he was seemed like a pretty nice, healthy person. Despite what he did, he came in with coffee packets and distributed them to us and said, don't tell. I was like, <laughs> This is the hardest thing I'm going to do for the next month, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> so I poured it in a mug, and I hadn't had coffee, I think, for three and a half weeks. And it was, oh, <laughs> just the pure caffeine rush and the dopamine from that. Felt My so heart's going to stop any second, <laughs> but gosh, is it going to be a great lead up? It's a ride. <laughs> so fun. Um, it's like you're going up that roller coaster, but then you just fly off into the sky. You never come back down. <laughs> Oh, we over the rainbow. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Grandiose thinking that gets me in trouble. Um, trying to stay grounded in uh, the monotony of life. Like my anxiety wants to make a narrative out of everything. Like I have general anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. so anything can make me anxious. Good things, especially because I'm not used to having good things. I'm used to struggling. Yeah. So being comfortable with a monotony, mon- I almost said monogamy, that too, but <laughs> monotony. Uh, and like we said before the recording, like the yo-yo effect of like you go between depression and anxiety or highs mm-hmm. and lows and understanding that normal people, and when I say normal people, I just mean people who can deal with their mental health issues better than some, Yeah, they get comfortable in the middle. And that's been a huge journey, and I'm still struggling with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, what about you? How do you deal with monotony? <laughs> I love it. What? Teach me. Because I have... <laughs> well, that's the one thing I've never had. Because mm-hmm. when you're swinging between... Like, I guess for me, it's hypomania because I'm bipolar two, not bipolar one. So I got the easier of the versions. Oh, okay. Um, It's the less extreme one where you spend a lot more time in a depressive state. And Mm -hmm. then like you have your like sort of spikes of hypomanic episodes, but it's not, it's not the like, you know, weeks and months of mania at a time. And then like severe extreme depression. Yeah. It's a lot more. You have fewer, not fewer swings. There'll be the upswings will be kind mm-hmm. of like shorter and not as severe. And then you kind of sit in like the depression more of the time. Um, so it might last for instead of weeks and months for the extreme. Type two is the extreme version. Type two is the less extreme. Oh, less. And that's what you have. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but that could be weeks and months, but for yours, maybe a couple days, a week, would you say? Or It'll be like week to weeks. It could be like yeah. a few days. You just have like a real bad, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but I haven't had, when I started medicating, mm-hmm. the the official kind <laughs> right. <laughs> the official medication. I like how I don't even consider. I was like, okay, a chemical yeah. in your body. Uh-huh. How's that one working? <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> No, the kind that came with a little piece of paper from the doctor. Um, <laughs> the Actually, the the manic half of it mm-hmm. is what got cut down first. Like, really, not immediately, because uh, the mood stabilizer that I started with 
um, you have to you have to work into it incredibly gradually because if you take mm-hmm. too much of it at once or if you stop it really suddenly, like yeah. it can cause this like allergic reaction, skin eating thing. Ugh. Oh, wow. It's like a skin very eating like a yeah, like it oh, wow. eats your flesh away. I don't it's something very extreme. Yeah. And it's like this mood stabilizer has essentially no side effects. Mm hmm. It's like you bump up a level and you're probably going to get like fatigued for a bit. Okay. But other than that, it's like everything is super easy except for this one very severe, very rare side effect that like might kill you, but probably you're going to be absolutely fine. Wow. And as somebody who has avoided strong substances most of their life besides alcohol, that was probably like a huge gamble still, even though you were dealing with bipolar day to day. It it was kind of nice that you had to do it really slowly because i was like this is the pace i want to go on anyway let's do this 25 milligrams at a time yeah yeah um but yeah the manic half of it is what got cut really quickly Mm -hmm. so those spikes stopped happening and then most of the time since then has been figuring out what will like bump up the lower end Okay. So and, sorry to be clear. Bump up the lower end so to make it so the lulls and the down. Yeah, to make the to as, actually attack the like depression half of right. it because like the manic bit kind of that left quicker than I was expecting. Right. So right. those like spikes of went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and day to day, like I'm. Like I said, going out for an interview tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. I'm about to start my career after graduating uh, from UW, and I'm terrified that my anxiety and depression and these other things may get in my way. How do you deal day to day with your job and your responsibilities with those lulls? And since you don't have highs anymore like that, I kind of lucked out because I have been with. Like in my job, the same management team for years now. Yeah. Um, and when, because um, there was definitely a point, I guess a couple years ago now, mm-hmm. when things started going downhill like incredibly quickly. Yeah. Um, and it was during that time period, like my bosses saw that happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, were they supportive or were they like, you got to leave if this continues? Oh, no, they were super supportive. Wow. And I'm actually in the job that I'm in now yeah. because the other one just like was not working for me. Per- just I'm like really happy for you that you have that. It's been fantastic. It helped that one of my one of my managers like just above me was actually one of my friends too. So this other wow. job opened up and he already knew like how I was just falling apart at the seams. Yeah. Um, and sort of nominated me to do this other thing that's got better hours and is far mm-hmm. more consistent so that I wasn't like just crumbling. Yeah. So they've already sort of seen like the worst of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, beyond that, it's they're very understanding that's lovely. I'm very happy for you. You give <laughs> me hope because I, I think tech, like I'm a software engineer by trade yeah. and tech is getting, while still very misogynistic and critical of mental health issues, I think there's big change happening and there's a lot of push to being open to those things. And I'm hoping 
I find a team like you're describing for your work where I don't need them to know everything. That's my business, but to at least let them know perhaps the general anxiety disorder is a reality and that I will put in my due diligence to do the work, meet the expectations. But if I request a day off, I can actually say mental health day, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That would be, that's a crazy future. I wonder, because I've heard people doing that and there's very supportive companies, but like to actually do it without the guise of like, yeah, I got to go to the doctor or, you know, some official business where it's like, no, I know my body. And right now I've built up a lot of anxiety this week and uh, everything I do that's healthy is not working and I need to take a break. Yeah. But I know I can come back stronger. So that, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to journal about that later. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to, yeah. That's yeah. That's that's uh, a reality for me. I I hope that uh, I can find that. Um, yeah. Well, good. I'm yeah. Find something that can bring up your your low. Yeah. You know. A oh little well. Bit. Right now, what I've discovered is uh, lithium is pretty great. Yeah, I have friends <laughs> that have taken it who have. And that's that's the one that I was most hesitant about um, because you hear some like bad shit about it when people don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the gal who does like all my medication related stuff was like, you'll know pretty quickly if this is for you or not. Yeah. Um, cause you know, it makes people feel kind of like dulled and like they're not totally there sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, but that's, that's not what I have, but I've gotten to a level of like almost monotony. Yeah. Like things are just super regular yeah and i love it (laughs) (laughs) even if i had gone to total numbness like that would just be such a novelty that i don't even think i would dislike it really (laughs) yeah that's that's because it's just that's the one new thing like just being neutral has like never been a setting that i've had before same so that's just exciting same. It's good to hear your excitement for it. Mine is kind of dread. Like Ooh. I wean down my anxiety medication, which is called mirtazapine, which is supposed to treat depression, but it also treats in low doses anxiety. And I found when I bumped my dose up, I wasn't, my improv was shit. <laughs> my critical thinking in interviews and doing uh, software engineering was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I became pretty lethargic. I didn't, I guess for me, I didn't view the monotony as empowering. Like I didn't have the framework for it. It sounds like you have the framework to be like, I know how this monotony will play in my life in a positive way. I'm not there yet. I want to get there. (laughs) I want to (laughs) learn still so much, but, um, I'm very happy where I am right now. Good. Um, Yeah, after tomorrow's interview, maybe a big life changer, and then I can come move out to the city and go to more shows. Yay! And yeah, yeah, double down on improv and sketch and started doing stand-up a while ago, and uh, that was terrifying, but it was, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's also another thing, like, doing stand-up for me I want to talk about all this, but I'm not at the point where I can navigate it in a 
like right now I'm kind of struggling talking about it. Like my anxiety is spiked mm-hmm. and I'm thinking a million thoughts per second. Like this is pretty good for me that I'm not just babbling like a crazy man. You are playing this like real cool. Oh, good. good. Yeah. That's good to hear. <laughs> Cause in my brain it's like, well, you've missed 20 different turns. You could have made the conversation <laughs> is going this way and you had left out the integral story. Uh, but that's the type of thing, getting comfortable talking about these things and, uh, stand up so far has been, I think I've done four, yeah, four, four open mics and I'd love to keep doing it, but I don't want to do it if it gets in the way of my recovery and my yeah anxiety and all that. Have you ever gotten the urge to do it? I have talked about doing stand up for 12 years yeah, <laughs> and have yeah. yet to actually do it. Uh huh. Um, because I never feel like I mean I have I'm sitting on a buttload of material that I've never touched. Yeah. Um, but I never feel like I have like prepped it thoroughly enough, which is like it's a fucking open mic. Like go right. do three minutes of something and see what happens. But it's mm-hmm. uh my one like neurosis that I have yet to get over is this feeling that like if I'm going to start something, I have to be assured that there is like 100% success at the end of it. Wow. So you, you knew going into comedy, there was something there golden. Cause yeah. Yeah. yeah I knew that was something that I was good at. Good. Good. Um, but yeah, I have that problem cause I, uh, I do like visual art stuff as well. Oh, nice. And of course I do all of it in ink because I'm trying to make it like really hard for myself. (laughs) Uh, But it's, it'll be like these really big, like complicated projects that Mm -hmm. are just tons of tiny little lines. Mm -hmm. And I have the hardest time starting it because you can fuck it up so easily. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to get into this process and be immediately upset because I'm, it's not being executed the way that I want it to be. Mm Mm-hmm. So I still have, I think I'm better now at avoiding turmoil, Mm -hmm. but I'm, the thing I still have to figure out is how to deal with it when it happens. Cause I think I'm spending too much time, like giving things a wide berth so that I don't even have to be in a position where I might have to think like, fuck, what's going to happen now? Avoid conflict or yeah. Like you, you're not somebody I would say is not a critical thinker. Like you, you (laughs) go to think that I think, I think you think too. (laughs) And, and being one's own hardest critic as everyone is, but like doubling down, if you're worried about deviating from a path, then I can see why stand up would be like, that's a gamble, especially coming from an improv sketch background. Like you're very reliant on other people, but with stand up, it is you. Yeah. And you are the one you will take home and go, the fuck was that? <laughs> and actually the fact that other people aren't involved is mm-hmm. part of the reason why I never get it started. Right. All of the shit that I fail at regularly is stuff that only affects me. Hmm. So like sketch and improv stuff happens because there's like other people right. in it with me. So there's like you have to you have to make something happen and get stuff done and you have mm-hmm. other people to work with. So someone else is reliant on the result. Yeah. And I'll put tons of effort into that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is that because? And then you go into my house and it looks like a crazy person lives there because (laughs) no one else ever sees it. So I'm like, this is, this is last priority. No one else is ever walking in there. Right. That's how I feel about my house too. Currently Mm -hmm. it's a dump. Well, no, I shouldn't say the whole thing's a dump. My room is currently looks like the shelves are where hoarders took note. And then my floor is tidy, but it's a very big representation of who I am when I come home versus who I am when I know others will be around. Yeah. So if somebody comes yeah, yeah, over, yeah. yeah, tidy up. I can I, see I, some of my floor. Some of your floor? Because <laughs> I'm that person. Like I have paths. Clothes <laughs> everywhere. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Piles of books and things that just sort of expand. And then you take a bag of something home and the bag gets set in front of the other bag that was there. And then pretty soon it just starts encroaching on where you were walking before. <laughs> and then you're just hopping delicately over these things that mm-hmm. used to have groceries in them. I enjoy leaving a mess that when I'm feeling down, I can clean up because it'll be that quick fix of like oh. something. I got something done today, like doing the dishes or, you know, I understand my addict. I know there's part of me who just needs to feel good about himself for a simple thing. Mm -hmm. So if I have little established goals like that, then I don't get overwhelmed and go, we know what really does the trick. (laughs) Let's throw years (laughs) of work down the drain. Um, Who's going to know except you? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's good to have those little things to do. Uh, Haven't had any. I have given up drinking during the weekdays. I still drink uh, on the weekends. I don't feel it is out of control, but I am very aware an addict is an addict is an addict. Like I didn't have trouble with alcohol before, but if, for instance, somebody passed that was close to me and I went into a depressive state. Yeah, I know it's available to me. Mm -hmm. So it's. Less so being careful about who I am now, but more preventative measures for who I can become under normal life circumstances that we all deal with. Yeah. Um, And I have, uh, my parents are two generations apart from me. I'm an only child. So I'm very aware of like, well, dad's turning 80 this year. (laughs) Got to figure out, make sure, you know, keep him alive as long as I can. Because I don't want to have an excuse to go do some stupid shit. Yeah. Um, And I feel it's kind of selfish. But it's real. It's how I feel about the whole matter of fact. Um, Yeah, I love those old kooks. (laughs) (laughs) They have the opposite situation where my my dad especially is like a baby. Oh, yeah? He's so young. He's going to turn 53. Oh, my God. (laughs) This year? Yeah. I'm like, they're, they might outlive me. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who knows when I want to ride that roller coaster into the sky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a rainbow we talked with about. With the rainbow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. Right over the top of that jerky tree and straight on till morning. <laughs> nope. Isn't that how Peter Pan goes? Yeah. <laughs> Peter Pan's a fox for universe. We don't have to worry about any problems. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, um... Uh, a lot of my life lately has gone into their preservation of like, I used them for so many years financially and emotionally during my addiction Mm -hmm. that I have this, um, bordering on unhealthy need to make sure they're well taken care of, uh, which I'm dealing with in therapy right now, (laughs) trying to make sure I have good boundaries. 
uh, because they're like, ultimately I'm not good at making myself happy for my own sake. I always need somebody else to make happy. So I feel good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're, you're mm-hmm. up and down. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Deep satisfaction. You can't understanding. See. I'm going to do it yeah. extra so you can hear the difference <laughs> in the microphone. This, this is me nodding up wildly. Yeah. 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 Now that's, uh, that has tripped me up for a long time mm-hmm. being entirely dependent on the opinions of other people. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially when, cause I being <laughs> not great at stuff. Um, my essentially my way of regulating my own behavior, being someone who would swing between, um, you know, manic and depressive states mm-hmm. was pretty much relying entirely on third party input. Like, however someone else was perceiving my behavior was how I was determining what it actually was. Yeah. Because for me, you know, it was, it never felt inappropriate Mm -hmm. because until you actually get to the point, which there was a distinct point where I was like, oh shit, what I am feeling does not have anything to do with reality. Right. Um. But up until that point, it's like you feel like everything is justified because you haven't really figured out that what you're responding to is not what the world is giving you. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that, it was relying entirely on other people and their kind of opinions to tell me what I should be doing. Um, But that puts... Which can be good if you're really spiraling. For a brief moment. Yeah. If you could trust them. Yeah. To like check in with. Oh, yeah. 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 Then you either run into you've got people who just should not be doing that in the first place that you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be in that situation with. Or you're just you are overloading people who don't deserve that (laughs) because that is you're putting a lot of work on somebody else. Mm hmm. To be like, tell me, tell me who I am right now. And they're like, I got a fucking life. Man. Right. Don't do this to me. My kids need to go to bed. I'm not tucking you in. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. The idea of deriving satisfaction in life from someone else. Codependency. Fuck. 600%. Yes, 600%. 6,000%. Yeah. I know it stops at 100, mm, mm -hmm. but no. No. No one stops at 100. Right. (laughs) That's that's why we're here in the first place. Yeah. It's because there's six different people I rely on so heavily, each 100%. (laughs) And you're five of them, person, and they're like, oh, no. No. (laughs) Red flag. That's not how this works. Run away. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I've, I've uh, stopped dating for a while, too. I'm even that critical about it, like how to find healthy intimacy mm-hmm. uh, with friendships, with uh, therapists, with uh, sharing on this podcast. Like that's what I mentioned earlier about transgressing is really understanding my intention as I do it. Like, mm-hmm. am I trying to feed the addict? Uh, am I trying to get anxious, avoid the anxiety, get depressed? Do something because I just want control. Yeah. Instead of going, oh, now I can be open to the moment and I can accept that I have no control. And bringing that into healthy intimacy is still a work in progress. Like I jump into my old habits 
Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's yeah. just kind of kind of the motto for life. Right. Just, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then being able to be fine with that statement, like, we'll see when it happens. Yeah. Exactly. And not a moment beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like quick fixes, like Peru, Peru, John, in 09. Give me fucking ayahuasca, because if I can see all my demons up front and all my bad decisions and all my things, well, I'll be fine from here on out. So yeah, like, you'll never make a bad decision ever again. No. Yes. You'll be healed. And then emotional colonic. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, no. No, no. Um, That is actually, um, that's the state I want to get to is be comfortable enough to go back one day and do that, but for a healthier reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, If that day comes, great. If it doesn't, so be it. Plenty of other good vacation spots. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I could literally go an hour up and go to the San Juans again and get a reset instead of going to uh, die internally. <laughs> and oh, another fun <laughs> facet you purge uh, from your mouth, your bum, everything. Oh. So it's a whole vacation. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a vomiter. No, it, mm. it detests you, or you just don't vomit, or. I just don't like nothing makes me vomit unless a ton of booze. Oh, okay. Um, But it was also one of those things where it happened. (laughs) Rob's making faces at me. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I love you. (laughs) You're great, and I appreciate you. (laughs) Have you? Has somebody somebody's hair here been held during a vomit sesh? Oh no, no, not between the two of us. Oh, okay. No. We have only ever had a good and functional relationship. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> but gosh, wouldn't that be a tale? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> but no, I am that person who, because it has happened so infrequently, mm-hmm. like I'd, between like having a flu as a small child and, like the first time I barfed because I drank too much. There was probably a good like 15 years in between. Oh, wow. Like when that happened, it's the worst experience because it happened so infrequently. Mm-hmm. Like I never to, got used to it. Yeah. You probably have to carry What is it called? Epicat that makes you puke just as an emergency procedure for anything happens. There have been a few times where I'm pretty sure I've had like food poisoning and shit mm-hmm. where I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great if you were a barfer right now? <laughs> <laughs> Because it feels so good after you barf. Oh, yeah, it's Aww. awful, but you're like, man, that wasn't supposed to be in there. That's right. why your birdie said barf it. <laughs> that's why your birdie said barf it? <laughs> that's why your birdie said barf it. <laughs> birdie said barf. <laughs> when your birdie turns you to burf, you're sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the human body works. There's a little bird inside that decides. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Time to go. <laughs> <laughs> My internal bird is kind of fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) My bird's working on getting healthier, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, jump, uh, chronologically speaking. Yeah. Left off in Peru and kind of jumped the gun all the way to, uh, 10 years of therapy. Um, what happened after that? Yeah. It went back to school. Because I realized I was a human being who needed a future. <laughs> and boo. Boo. Yeah. I, I never finished school. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was it, also doing a theater degree. So like 
that's not useful anyway. Yeah, it could be useful because look at what you're doing now, and I'm sure it supplements your mental health. Oh, I I hated college. You did. I just hated the environment. The one good thing I really got out of it was improv. I did improv the whole time. Right. I did like costuming stuff. Did you go to Evergreen? No, I went to Gonzaga. Oh, okay. Oh, this is can popping time. There we go. Everyone pop their cans. Perfect. Love it. Little bottle. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the, I hated the college environment. It's Mm -hmm. so artificial and kind of extreme and competitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's also like the worst years for me. So there's that bit too, where it was like, that's where you really tanked. Um, so then coupling in the expectations of a culture you didn't like, yeah, trying to like tell I, you who you should be. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't want to have to live by those standards of getting things done. Mm-hmm. Like I was mostly when I left school, um, and really I was there for four years. I just didn't graduate. Um, I was like, you know, it's going to be exciting. Not doing a goddamn thing. Do a thing where you go to work every day and then you go home and then you get up and do the same thing. And try that out for a bit. And if yeah. you can get that right, it's going to feel like an accomplishment. Yeah. So I've, I've been all about gaining monotony. Good. I'm just no good at it. I'm like, okay, you've got that. Mm-hmm. Now put 16 projects on top of it. Right, right. See how many shows you can do at once. Mm-hmm. Four is the top I've ever managed to juggle at one time. Wow. They were all scripted. So that was multiple not, not the like, best idea. It was like multiple, multiple sketch shows right. at the same time. Whew. Like different runs of them that I was working on. Mm-hmm. Or like one, three of them were in like the planning stages at one time. And then one would be wrapping up rehearsals while another was performing. And then that, that was... It wasn't good. It was a bad idea. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like you almost enjoy that, but then at the same time, you were like, this is getting in the way of my healthy monotony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like, I have to be busy to a certain extent, and I really Mm -hmm. like it because it's stuff that I like doing. Um, But I overload myself really easily Mm -hmm. because I still want so much love and approval from other people. Yeah. No matter how much I try to be like, you're worth stuff on your own. It's mm-hmm. like, but wouldn't it be better if everyone else loved you too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which yeah. that's never going to happen. I've made too many enemies for that to happen. Do you, do you make enemies? Do you have people that are like, fuck you, Sam? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Me too. Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> By a few, I mean too many. Too many. <laughs> During the hard times, times when you were not your best self, you were struggling, and then people, you burned. Oh, yeah, like last year. (laughs) Oh, last year. Is this something you want to talk about? Is this something? No. No? Okay. Uh, No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And too. Understood. Too close to that batch still. Yeah. Actually, the I somehow still have friends from like the college time period when I was arguably just like a bad person to everyone yeah somehow those people knew who you were even though you had that facade 
that front? Oh, well, I mean, they just like dealt with me when I was just like the shittiest kind of person. Yeah. Like in that time period when I was clearly crazy, mm-hmm. but hadn't hit the point where I was like, oh my God, this isn't the rest of the world. This is me. Right. Like they, these are people that like I lived with. They sat through that. Yeah. And they still talk to me. So that's always. That's good. That's real nice. I have a few of those too who by I, all. I just feel so impressed by them all the time. I'm like, thank you so much for mm-hmm. still speaking to me. Yeah. And a lot. Yeah, because there was something there. It wasn't just your bad times. It was you yeah. as a person deep down. So that's good they could see that. And they weren't just, she needs to move out immediately. Fuck her. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I have a buddy I went to this weekend. We share a birthday with uh, 11 days apart from each other. So we always have joint birthdays. And he's, he luckily I never used with him. He was always kind of the more healthier, healthy family, healthy track, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he I think the worst thing I ever did was borrowed $30 when I was using and then didn't pay him back and then a moment I was like oh yeah gotta pay you back he's like I didn't think you'd remember I was like oh buddy and now I'd consider him one of my best friends um that's a nice story that's like the pinnacle of good stories the other ones are uh yeah, I don't know what I want to say about those. Except they don't talk to me for good reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the worst thing that happened during my addiction was the my own parents, they had to deal with me pawning my own things for a while. And then I crossed the line once and was like, oh, just pawn this electronic device they don't use. And then got caught for that uh, by them. And that was their line. So it was good to be like, okay, cool. I didn't have to uh, burn the house down on accident. It was just this simple thing. But yeah, uh, that's the thing with addiction or any mental health issue is like the lines you create for yourself to say, I'll never cross this. But then something pushes you to it. And then you suddenly do something horrific. And you're like, oh, well, I won't ever actually do this next thing. You make a new line and then you cross that one. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, it's it's a terrible feeling to be at a point where you're like you don't know what the line is until you're already past it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh fuck. I left Lineville like 16 miles back that way." Right. I used to be really hard on myself like that the the boy I was when I was a child or the man I could have been is dead. And I was like, that's so bad to think that way. It's like, there's no way I can get the life back that I burned, but I am building something right now that's worth a damn. Yeah. And to be content with that, oh, I get days when I get to be. I think I'm having it right now, but then there are those days when it's like, it doesn't matter. There's Something could have been different. And th- those are the days when then the anxiety kicks up, and then uh, usually it's more anxiety than depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, depression, uh, I, I go through like a male period, <laughs> the silly version of that. People say that, I don't know if I agree with it, but it's like every month or two, I'll have two weeks of low, low. And then that's when I become just despondent. Don't talk to friends. Yeah. Uh, try to keep myself occupied. I don't use like drink or anything. It's just a general leth- lethargy of everything. 
Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not creative and I can't afford to do that right now just based on the like improv rehearsal for the show coming up and work and I'm wondering how it's going to fit in like because I know that's part of me now like it's like every few months there's two weeks when I become a hermit yeah and I don't want to come out of my hole but that's me and then how can that work in a relationship like (laughs) that's a whole nother thing when I was younger before the addiction I think my longest relationship was three and a half years with somebody I had met in high school Uh, but since then nothing more than a year Mm-hmm. And I am boggled by how my mental health issues can fit into another person's life. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I um, <laughs> we talked about this actively. We had um an episode entirely about one of my friends. Um, did a call in. We had an actual call in because she lives yeah. in L.A. Um, but it was all about online dating. Okay. Um. And I just cannot get behind the idea of presenting yourself to strangers for instant judgment. <laughs> that just sounds, that sounds awful. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't been in a relationship in forever. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I refuse to talk to people I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to meet anyone that way. And then everyone else who I already do know already knows me. So that ruins it right there. <laughs> They've probably already seen too much of the actual kind of person <laughs> I used to There's think, no in between bit. I used to think that was a bad thing too, because every relationship I'd been in was an instantaneous codependent, like hook. I'd say two I wasn't like that. Two were healthy, two were nice. But the rest were always like, oh, the spark needs to be there up front. It's so mm-hmm. romanticized. It's so intense. It's like, yeah, but relationships can also come about with friends who know each other and then do know each other's flaws. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I just hear that's a thing. Um, and I have friends that have done it. That's what gives me hope that like that can still, you know, then small groups of people that know each other can still be something. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Oh yeah. And the, the relationships I've had and there have been some long running ones, um, which the longest one was also like the most fucked up on my end of it. Um, was that during your college time? It started there and then went like years afterward Mm -hmm. um but they have only been people that i've known for like a year minimum in some capacity yeah um but then it was that thing of like once you hit that point where it's like we're going to be in a relationship you're like oh good i finally have a basket to put all of my eggs in it's like (laughs) whoa no this is not that's not how how this this works works. (laughs) no nope that is not how this works nope got a big compromise basket a little i'll take a few eggs but all of them i mean like a spot you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna bring my own fucking basket I'll put my own eggs in it. We can just park our baskets next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe if you need a little extra room, like I can be your overflow basket. Right. <laughs> you had a healthy bounty of eggs today. <laughs> Take some. Yeah. No, I get that. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. Growing together as opposed to the enmeshment that can occur in yeah. some relationships. Um, I would definitely say like, yeah, addict is an addict is an addict. I, when I get, spirally i overeat uh i'll do sleep deprivation is a new one uh literally like oh if i'm too tired i don't have to feel it 
Like, <laughs> oh, yes. It's, yeah. And that's so unhealthy. But then also like love addiction or like the idea of some romanticized Hollywood version of what that can be, mm-hmm. I think is something so many people have and they never talk about it. They never go like, oh, I can never find anybody. It's like, oh, yeah, your, your, your expectations it's not that you have expectations that are above who, what you need with healthy intimacy. It's just you have expectations that no one can fulfill. Like oh, yeah. it just isn't real. Um, oh yeah, there's the there's definitely an idea of like there should be there should be a perfect person who is happy and willing to deal with you at your absolute worst. Mm-hmm. And like, wouldn't that be great? But that's right. not. It's really not a realistic or nice thing to expect from another human being. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to have to be a semi-functional human on your own. Like maybe you'll have slips occasionally and you need right. to rely on somebody else, but the the measure of a good relationship is not going to be whoever can take the most hits from you. Yeah. And still be Ooh, like well and still be like, "Ooh, I'm good." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's a good person in there somewhere. Like, oh, no. <laughs> what is it? They they don't deserve me unless they can handle me at my worst. It's like, oh, yeah, oh no. that's fucked. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I need you to take three steps back and look at what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yep. And really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. The woman I went into uh, rehab with, she was this incredible woman, but also deeply damaged and flawed Golden Glove boxer uh, could could probably kick my ass if she wanted to on a moment's notice. And uh, a medicine woman from a local tribe around here and uh, a nasty meth addiction. So she had a few different things, but I never met her while she was using. Um, I met her, I went to a detox, which is where you go and they pump you full of a different drug so you can withdraw from your other drug. And randomly started talking to her and was like, you're everything. Uh, wow. You could, you've gone through all of these things. Like you must know an answer. You have a truth. It's like, finally, I don't have to look inside because I can just put all of my attention on you. You can teach me. You're going to fix this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the peak of my, uh, codependency of like, the answers are in somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank God she broke up with me in rehab. <laughs> thank God. I can only imagine coming out and dealing with that. Uh, I, won't, I won't get too detailed with her, but she definitely, I think she probably still sold and did some very nefarious things. And yeah, I hope she's doing okay, though. <laughs> truly, like as much yeah. as we are not healthy individuals for one another, truly hope she's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Going forward with life is fucking weird. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, okay. So my question, um, on the comedy end of stuff. Sure. Do you ever have the urge to kind of put all the shit together? Like do comedy that's actually related to like the other real life stuff like mental health yeah. addiction yeah yeah like i was saying with a stand up i would mm-hmm. love to be open and honest and then be able to curate my story in a yeah. way that 
Because it's fucking hilarious, the stupid shit I've done. I don't have a criminal record, which is insane. (laughs) Which, I got student loans because, and I got to go to school. Like, there's so much material there. But taking something, and I kind of feel gross saying it, that is precious to me like that, and then going, I need others' approval, which I have sought so many years to get away from, of going, "Uh uh-uh, it's only me. If I can't be sustaining my own insanity then it's over like Mm -hmm. not making it to 40 uh that said i know a lot of people who i would consider grounded and maintaining their lives that turn their lives into good material on stage Mm -hmm. and can walk away and go i'm proud of that and i can continue this healthy standard yeah because there's plenty of comedians in recovery or oh yeah dealing with mental health in a positive way I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hard point to get to. Yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet either. I've written things that are like, this is you as a yeah. fucked up character. Yeah. This is just the worst version of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's definitely terrifying to put that in front of other people. And it's hard to write. It is because it's so close to you. Yeah. You're so zoomed in. You can't see the contextual long humor the bigger humor or it might not even resonate because it's too close yeah you have to feel good enough about yourself that you can look at this like alternate reality what if i'd never stopped being a shitty person person and be like it's funny because of this and this and this but if you're ever in a slump it's like i can't write this because it's not going to be comedy anymore it's just going to be me looking at what I feel like I am right now. And I can't yeah. do that. It it can turn. Yeah. It can backfire. It's like, yeah, a t- yeah you can cut yourself very easily. Um, but I have a dream to do it. Like that is my ideal. Like I, to, this is a big deal. Just talking about it openly, mm-hmm. you know, is, is huge for me. Um, very much can talk with friends and family and, joke in small groups but to go on stage in front of strangers yeah yeah um you be sure to invite me if you ever do a set about your shit like that (laughs) i would love to be a part of that well and actually um the performance artist drama comedy musical that i'm writing with uh gary who's also in 50 percent less bear yeah um the two main characters in that that we play are like the worst versions of us. Oh, wow. That's cool. So you are doing it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's, oh, it's just, it's so, it gets really tough. The the process of writing or rehearsal or what, what about it? Actually writing it. Yeah. Um, and we've already done like an hour long version of this show that was mm-hmm. just the two of us for the whole show. Mm-hmm. So that one... That got real difficult at some points, like actually getting it done. Oh. Having done it once, now it's like, okay, I sort of have like an idea of the more I write it, the more it's like this character becomes their own person, which makes it a lot easier. It's yeah. still at heart, like everything that's wrong with them is what's wrong with me. Right. That's why I'm real good at this typity type 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 type. <laughs> I'm good at this because I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
I don't know if I could do that myself. I would have to have somebody to work with. I couldn't do like a solo one man show about it. Mm-hmm. If I did, I would. That would take me a long time to write. But if I did it with somebody else who I trusted, uh, who's in comedy, I don't have anybody like that who knows my history. Who I like. Like a Gary. I don't have a Gary. <laughs> everyone. Gary's one. Everyone listening. Everyone should have a Gary. If yeah. you don't know who Gary is, then you're the worst for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. Find your Gary. I saw Gary the other night. At, uh, I think it was Empty Orchestra when I saw you. And I went up to him. I was like, hey, how are you? Give him a hug. He's like, hey. I'm like, oh, you don't recognize me. You haven't seen me in so long. You just completely forgot who I am. Well, it's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, one of those. Um, but yeah, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Uh, yeah, maybe one day. Like I feel the my biggest fear would be to never do it and then move away from comedy. Like comedy mm-hmm. has been um, to tie back into the chronology of everything. Like yeah, I went back to school. Something I never thought I could do. Just graduated at the end of December. Like, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a huge accomplishment. I did not reward myself for it. I'm very masochistic with it. I'm like, you have not recovered fully. <laughs> <laughs> you have to whip yourself. <laughs> Seek penance. So I feel like there's. Uh, I'm trying to derive too much satisfaction out of those accomplishments, searching for this unrealistic top tier. Mm-hmm. And comedy kind of falls into that too, where I'm like, well, like you said, if I'm going to do it, I have to know it's going to be good. With improv, I'm still, I'm only, I did it in high school, did it a little bit for, I think, a year on and off, and then I left, and then I came back uh, two years before I graduated, so yeah, two years ago, essentially, and I did it because I was so anxious, I was on the verge of agoraphobia, like, I did not want to leave, I did not want to get out of my comfort zone, Uh, I left school, I had a like I wouldn't call it like a breakdown in class, but I was just like everything converged to a point where uh, I didn't I didn't have I had the resources to reach out to people. I had set up the proper channels as one does when they know they will spiral, but nothing was working. Yeah, and you just got to do it. <laughs> do, do. And if you were so good at just doing stuff, you wouldn't be there in the first place. Right. That's yeah. the problem with all those. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was uh, it was it was such a big spiral, and luckily I had met uh, Beth Peterson, who goes to the pocket uh, as well, and she was my improv sketch teacher, and mm-hmm. I was still kind of awkward, and I think it was a few months I went in her class that at Ever Community College, went to her class for that, and I was kind of like. Didn't uh, first off, I don't memorize things well. Sketch is hard for me. I have to really work hard to memorize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I didn't focus on that as much as the improv with her. But I, I don't know if 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 she ever hears this or if I ever get to see her again. Um, hi Beth. Hi Beth. We'll, we'll hope that you hear our hello. Yeah, <laughs> she like I wouldn't. Yeah, kind of saved me in essence of like introducing me to comedy and being like, you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. You can. You can seek gratification in many different disciplines in your life and not feel like if one's not working, you can kind of jump the jump the boat to the other and then come back when you're ready. Uh, so, yeah, she brought me to the pocket, brought me to mash up. That really changed my life. I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, 
I'm able to step outside of myself for a moment and turn all the insanity into something productive for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone. That's such, so good to use the fuel that naturally burns in you and go, I get to be present and happy. Yeah. <laughs> and honest most of the time. There's plenty of moments in comedy where I'm just not showing my true self because I'm terrified or yeah. being a dick. <laughs> well, the great thing about those, the sketch mashups is uh, you're going in there knowing that what's coming out is not going to be perfect because mm-hmm. your timeline is so short. Yeah. So it's a great exercise in right? producing something and being happy with it because it's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Which is like boot camp for... The real world of writing it, mm-hmm. real world, whatever it is, maybe you're writing shows, uh, sketch on TV, or you're doing shows at Jets, uh, uh, The Pocket, uh, but it just prepares you when you do have those long periods of time, it doesn't, you don't feel the pressure as much. You're yeah. prepared to fail a little bit because you know that's the long burn that counts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so did did the mashup, did... Uh, a bunch of Jet City recently. Um, planning to do the long form soon when I have money. <laughs> uh, I don't know when that's going to be. Hopefully oh, like soon. classes? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still just a wee comedy baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've never taken a class. You're just naturally this good. No, I've just failed at it for a long time. Good. (laughs) So instead of someone telling me how it should go, I just continually like beat my head against a wall until I had a nice big callus formed. Right. (laughs) Now I sort of know what's up. Couldn't explain it to anybody else. (laughs) That's probably, that's the the worst part about not taking a class in anything is that you Mm -hmm. have a terrible time figuring out how to share knowledge with other people. Because you've never, like, seen a really good example or gotten, like, my improv vocabulary is pretty garbage unless it's, like, basic shit (laughs) that I'm going to share with people. So I've had people be like, hey, do you want to, like, do a coach for this thing? I'm like, nah, man, I can't (laughs) teach anyone. I will confuse them more. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll confuse myself trying to figure out how to explain it. I'll just do it. You guys do the teachy bit. I kind of like that approach, though. You didn't take any formal classes, so... You didn't know what rules to break or what rules existed. So you got to really genuinely experiment with a lot of different things, maybe fail a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I I thrive in structure these days, and Mm -hmm. that is to my detriment. So I'm having trouble getting silly sometimes. I'm like, oh, we're not following the game we established here. I, I don't know where to go. Uh, or if, if a scene calls for something, I'd get too stuck in my ways and I feel like, uh, yeah, a failing is fucking beautiful. I need to not worry so much about the structure Yeah, and just, that's the point of improv really be listening and take a suggestion instead of going, that's not the right suggestion for the game. Yeah. No, if there if there's one thing that I actually have learned and can articulate about improv, mm-hmm. that the best thing you can do is just go into every performance, every time on stage, just knowing that you're gonna look like an asshole, mm-hmm. and you should. Yeah. the The hardest thing is just accepting that, like, looking stupid is okay and sometimes mm-hmm. great. 
Because so much comes from thinking about it too much because you want to like look a certain way Mm -hmm. and look like you know what you're doing and like you're really cool. But the best stuff really comes when someone's like, I don't (laughs) care what you guys think. I'm going to look like an idiot. That's That's great. That's good to hear, actually, for me, just to reassure, you know, take a chance, do something silly and dumb. Be yourself in the moment. Don't get too caught up in your head. Yeah, I'll I'll write that down and practice it because I will forget it next week. (laughs) Just write it on your mirror. You're going to look like an asshole today. (laughs) And that's okay. My therapist. Slash preferential. (laughs) (laughs) Therapist is like, are you doing positive affirmations? Like, well, I've got one in the mirror. (laughs) I call myself an asshole every morning, but it's going to pay off. It's going (laughs) to work. I'm on the long haul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, it, yeah, having eggs in different baskets and complementing uh, uh, what's working for me, which is highly structured engineering mindset, and then going, fuck all that, and step outside of yourself and play. And that's what I've derived from comedy a lot, is just the ability to play and um, get back to some weird root of being a kid again and innocence and, like, as, as silly as that sounds, but, like, genuinely just feeling um it's, it's tons of chances that are terrifying and put me in positions that I never thought I'd be in that question why I'm doing it but yeah. at the same time it reminds me that I'm more than just this 32 year old gotta be composed gotta get a house gotta go around and maybe get a family and put some kids in it oh lord fuck that, that expectation that sounds like a lot of weights on your ankles yeah yeah <laughs> We've established foxes will kill you by the ankle, but like children, that'll kill your soul if you do it for the wrong reasons. And if you have all those weights, you can't run away from the foxes. (laughs) Right. You can't launch that roller coaster into the sky Mm -hmm. if you're weighed down. Right. That rainbow won't accept you. Yeah. (laughs) Too many weights. Finally, all of these metaphors are spiraling back in on each other. (laughs) Paying off. Now it's just a roller coaster full of foxes. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture. Can you can you get a pen out tonight and make that? Roller, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yes, <laughs> this is gonna happen. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything more. Um, I've really do- dove deep into anxiety, depression, addiction. Um, where my life is with it right now, and yeah, comedy. Thank God for it. I don't believe in God really, but I use that phrase so much. I'm oh yeah, so conditioned. Yeah, but thank thank the universe, thank <laughs> Carl Sagan's blue dot, Th- thank everything. <laughs> Thanks everything. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Cover? Oh no, this has been a really. This has been a really good one because this is all stuff that I relate to very much. Yeah. It's been, it's been real nice getting to talk to somebody else about it too. Yeah. And I feel good about sharing this. Sometimes I'll share all this stuff and I'll get that pit feeling in my stomach of like, uh, oh yeah, like what's going to happen next? Yeah. Like you have to see these guys again. Right. Or just the pure like, gosh, yeah, explained it for the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. but it feels good good yeah yeah i think i mean how do you feel good Good. 
<sighs> do you feel like you didn't transgress? Uh, maybe a little bit, because I was definitely in my head there for a while. Um, but that's okay. That's not the end of the world. Um, I Yeah, happy to have... Ultimately, I'm just excited for anyone to hear this and relate to it and go, fuck, you can have a life and feel this way. Yeah. Because anybody who can... Do I give you a hug? Whoever's listening, feeling that way, I, I just, yeah. We're giving you a hug right now. Giving a big old hug. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here. Let me. Sorry, I wrinkled your sweater. Let me no, get that and sort no, that out. No, no, got an iron right here. There we go. Get that <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You need a little starch? Too much starch? Yep, no, too much. No. Here, let me just uh, just take it here. I've got this other. I've got a sweatshirt you can put on. I'm just gonna put this straight on the ironing board. It's not. It's I can't okay. steam it on you. I'm gonna hurt you. It's it's gonna hurt you. But it, it, the sweatshirt's an XXL. You can float it. You can lay down on this and feel so safe and comfortable while I get your starchy shirt. Yeah, it's great. It's from a summer camp that I volunteered at one time. Yeah, Camp Coloqua. They had the greatest lakes. And the foxes that went in your boat and defended you. Yeah, <laughs> it's where you learn to make fox friends. Oh, my first fox friend <laughs> Tabitha She was a delight Mine, mine was named um, Dominic Dominic, he sounds domineering <laughs> You know, he was a little bit Yeah But I accepted that that was just a part of his personality And oh I could gosh. work with it That's good Yeah, You just saw him as the wild beast he was And said, I want you in my life Yeah, but I'm not dependent on your input and approval. Right. Also because you're a fox. <laughs> <laughs> We're not compatible in so many ways, Dominic. But our love... Genetically? <laughs> we can't We can't breed. We just can't. As much as I want that. Fox, baby. <laughs> what, what an adorable little ginger child it would be. Oh. <laughs> the penchant for chickens? <laughs> Oh. I mean, that's me already. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love chicken? Mm. Cooking chicken is a trick, though. I always either get it to be overcooked or I open it and go, that's a pink one. It's still bleeding. No, you can't have that. Yeah, that's hard. Um, oh, if you do like a, like a marinade, like a vinegar-based marinade kind mm-hmm. of a thing. My mom does like a that sort of a vinegary barbecue sauce kind of a thing. Brine it up real good oh. like before you cook it, and that stays real juicy. Oh, nice. I never do any brine for anything. I just started cooking a few years ago. A few, a few years ago. You should know by now. I don't. <laughs> I do. I'll do the blue apron, and then they'll send me a recipe of something I never thought I could do. I'll burn it, but it'll be delicious because I made it, <laughs> and that's what matters. But brining, I'm going to try that. Yeah. I don't actually do it myself, so I couldn't tell you how it works. Mm-hmm. But maybe tomorrow I'll call her and be like, Mom, Mom, <laughs> I told someone to make that chicken and I don't know how. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Tell me now. <laughs> Send me the recipe, Sam's mom. <laughs> so, yeah. Mom, you're probably going to hear this. <laughs> um, would you just email it to me or something? <laughs> Does your mom listen? Um, I'm sure she will. None of these have actually come out yet. Okay. We're in a, I've got like a big backlog going so that even if 
everyone that I know now turns their backs on me. I'll have enough time to like make friends with somebody new. (laughs) You're asking people to share their souls. That's not something people are going to shy away from. (laughs) I actually, the response has been kind of remarkable already. How many people are like, yeah, I've got stuff I'd talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people who are like, I know what I would talk about, but I have to convince myself that I'm going to before I do it. Like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, mom, when you do listen to this, Sam's mom, not my mom. My, my mom will mom. never hear this. <laughs> I hope not. She already knows all this. We have a very like to the point of like she knew too much about me, but this is not something she needs to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, mom. Not gonna hear this. Sorry, John's mom. Hi, my mom. <laughs> Hi, Sam, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, get us that chicken thing going. <laughs> my email is... Oh, sorry, I can't give it to you. <laughs> I'll give it to you later, mom. <laughs> Actually, just email it to me and then I'll pass it on. <laughs> I tried to make a Blue Apron recipe last night. Uh, a stress-eating moment. So I took two pizza recipes and put them together oh, to make an ultimate pizza that sounds beautiful but i didn't have a rolling pin so the dough was just like Did you just beat it with Ugh. your hands yeah <laughs> on a breadboard pound 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 uh and then i stretched the pizza crust out i thought enough but when i put it in it was still like a half an inch thick so the cooking instructions didn't account for that so i got it out and i was like oh this this looks delicious and I pick it up and it just falls in on itself. <laughs> I'm like, ah, shit. And it was already 11 p.m. and I was exhausted. I was like, I'm going to eat this. And it was the most doughy, disgusting bottom. But d- the cheese, cheese is life. Cheese is delicious. And that made up for it. It was worth it. See, me stress eating is these Oreos come in a pack. Yeah. So feels like a serving. <laughs> Serving portion size is so important. I'll do the bowl thing where you take a bag of chips, put it in a bowl. Otherwise, it's the whole bag. Yeah, I have to start doing that. It's hard because that's literally you're taking the conscious decision that this is it. That's a big step. (laughs) I'm cutting myself off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) Fuck. The only reason I'm not like twice my size is because of the anxiety. I'm like, I have to get moving and working out. But if I stopped eating like that, I'd probably be like cut. Now I'm just like flubby dubby under there. <laughs> yeah. Flubby dubby. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. That's another thing of being like, never gonna be a model. I'll be a happy 32 year old flubby dubby. <laughs> That's good. Happy dappy. Happy, happy dappy flubby dappy flubby dubby. Sitting on the porch looking out at my jerky Ooh, tree. With a jerky tree. I can tell a storm's coming because you can smell the breeze off the jerky tree. <laughs> oh, yes, my my flubby dubby skin is uh, uh, perking up. The uh, storms are brewing. I feel that. Smell that teriyaki. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get on OK Cupid here and see if anybody is into flubby dubbies this year. Nope. Ten years in a row, no response. Ooh, flubby dubby. Flubby dubby. <laughs> Flubby Dubby will find love one day. <laughs> ah. 
we have officially covered everything we could possibly cover. <laughs> I mean, no, but maybe maybe we'll do a round two sometime. Yeah. Now I feel good. I feel like, yeah, we covered plenty. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely did. I like it. I'm yeah. happy with this. Awesome. I hope you're happy with it. I Put am. you on the spot. <sighs> Full disclosure. I am happy. Okay. I good. feel good. I uh yeah, like I said, I didn't feel like I transgressed too much, didn't get in my head too bad. I feel like I shared my truths. <sighs> well, there's what you don't do. Yeah. Um, thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you, John. Thank you very much, Sam. And Sharon. Being a part of this fun thing yeah. that we're doing. Thanks for recording. Thanks, Rob. Rob, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> I've never <laughs> met Rob until today, and I'm happy he knows all this about me. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for enduring. <laughs> um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, with someone else and then maybe we can get john back on later we'll see uh like one of our previous guests said um she'll come back but we have to give her some time to uh fuck some more stuff up yeah (laughs) well put (laughs) yeah then i can come back and share (laughs) some real critical point pointed stories within the past few months yes yes Mm -hmm. exactly all right that is it for us, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye